Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court, you hear it straight from a Suns player with Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing, Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair, that's americaroofingco.com. Welcome back. It's the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And yeah, we are off the court with a member of the Phoenix Suns. They are in action tonight, taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves, a game that you will hear right here, 7 o'clock here in Arizona Sports. And joining us, he joined us a couple times last year. Great conversation both times. And of course, he got the start the other night in the Suns win against the Houston Rockets. I'm talking about Bismack Biombo, who joins us here on Burns and Gambo. Bismack, welcome back to the show. I'm Dave. This is Gamble. Thanks for your time, man. We appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. Biz, I got to be honest. I love the way you started that game last night. Tate comes in. You block his shot. That leads to a three-pointer by Cam Johnson. And then Porter Jr. comes in. You block his shot. How it feel to set the tone defensively so early in a game? Uh, I think if it, it's always good to set a tone defensively because that, that – uh, uh, quite often set a table for the rest of the game. Um, and and I think for us, you know, it's always good to set a tone defensively because offensively, you know, we have great players all over the place and, you know, we know what to do offensively. It's just defensively sometimes when you play a team like Houston, you really got to lock in and, and get it going early on. I, I I love your mentality of just always being ready and whenever they call your, your number, you're going to be ready to play. I mean, you had only played seven minutes in that first game against Dallas. You had not played in any of the other games, but then D.A. goes out. You play 23 minutes against New Orleans, 22 minutes against Houston. You had a major impact in both games. Talk to us about just being a good teammate and just being ready for when your number's called. Honestly, it's just having faith in God, to be honest. Uh, this is some of the things I've got to learn and grow my faith over the course of the years, uh, knowing that God always has a plan. And... um he has the blueprints. You just got to keep working, keep your head down, stay focused, you know, help guys out when they need you. And uh, things always work out. So uh, in the end, for me, you know, one, you never want to see a teammate goes down. But, uh, but more than anything is just, you know, relying on God day in and day out. And God has led the way for me and my family and we'll continue to do that and find strength uh, within God's uh, presence. Bismarck Miambo, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show uh, after he starts the other night and then of course they got the Minnesota Timberwolves coming up tonight. You decided to stay with the Suns re-signing with the team on July 5th. What, was there ever any thought about doing anything else? Any thought about going somewhere else or for you was it always about coming back to this team and this organization? I mean, honestly, you know, the way we handled last year, I think as anybody, even if you want to move on in life, I don't think that's the right way to move on. It's just my opinion. But, yes, uh, you know, obviously I had options and we're kind of going back with my agents, uh, just perspective-wise and, you know, other places where the money makes sense or not. But at the end of the day, to me, it's like, look, I came here last year trying to uh, accomplish something that we can do it. 
and we had a shot. We have a shot again to do it again and see what we, you know, what we're gonna hand out. But the whole desire, to be honest, is just that you know we, you know, they started something and then it became part of it, and then let's see how far we can push this thing, you know. So uh, the desire is to win. And I think that's why I came back here is because I want to win. I think we have more than enough uh, to win. Now we all got to work to do. We got to put all our work in. Uh, and uh, so is other teams. So at the end of the day, you know, this is part of us growing. We're just getting into the season. What is this, game six or game seven? So it's still too early. And, you know, little by little, I think things are coming together for us as a team. And we just got to keep, you know, adding to the package so that when it comes down to that playoff, we can make sure that we um, the last one standing. So I look forward to that, God will. And if not, then, you know, you control what you can control. But at least the desire for me is to get out there and give everything we got. So because it, it was difficult going into summertime, the past summer, the way we handled the season, sure. you know, uh, just on a personal level and as a player, as a competitor. So that's some of the things that you don't want to be repeated again. So I, you know, I look forward to a different ending and uh, and I think we all prepare for a different uh, ending this season. So God will, like I said, we'd, we'd be in a much better place and, uh, and uh, we'll keep it moving. Bismack, which team besides the Suns showed the most interest in you in free agency? If I would have said my agent might kill me because I don't know how this going to look like moving forward. But uh, in all honesty, um, it was about four, four to five teams and all um, competitor and uh, all trying to win. But, you know, I think for me, it's just that I've been with the organization. I'm comfortable around players. You know, they welcomed me last year when I came here. So that's how I feel good about coming back here, to be honest. But, yeah, it was about four to five teams. And I was actually going back and forth with, you know, uh, with James. I didn't talk to any player besides CP, to be honest, in free agency. It was just the, that one phone call I made to CP. That was it. Right. Let's talk about the bench. There was a lot of people that, that doubted that this bench for the Phoenix Suns would be very good this year with Cam going into the starting lineup and Jay not coming back and then JaVale McGee gone, you know, and a lot of new players coming in like Landale and Lee. There were question marks and Dario coming back from an injury. Why has this bench played so well early this season? I mean, you got to give credit to one, the players. I think they've put in enough work. And then the coaches that have positioned each player in, uh, in a way that they could be successful. So for me, at the end of the day, is that, uh, you know, when you look at it, this is a teamwork. Uh, the coach bringing ideas. And everybody got to buy into it. The players got to buy into it. The coaching staff got to buy into it. So for, for us, it's just, you know, to, we have to continue to put these pieces together because, like I said, when it comes down to the playoff, you need your first units to be on point and you need your second units. And that's how you could get this done. And, and, and again, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's good to get off to a good start. Now we've got to maintain and make sure that this is sustainable for the rest of the season. 
From your perspective, let's talk about Jock Landale for a minute and your perspective from the position you play, the position you share with him. What have you seen from him that he's brought to the table, Bismack? I think he has been playing great, to be honest. Um, he has been playing great. His attention to details have been great. Um, and overall, helping other guys out on the floor. So I think these these are helpful to the team. And plus, you want to make sure you have all the pieces you need as we move this team forward, as you move into the playoff. You want to make sure you have everything locked in at every position. And I think you bring um, just that to the team and really look for uh, to what he has uh, for the team um, in the future. Love your attitude, you know, you wanting to be here and be a part of this. I, I want to ask you about Jay. Uh, were you surprised when you first ha- found out that, that he wanted to go somewhere else, that he didn't want to be a part of this anymore? I mean, I, I don't know much about what's going on with Jay, to be honest. Uh, you know, I've heard the things I've heard, uh, but I, I think, you know, when when things like this happen, you always go back to the level of respect that both uh, parties has, the respect that James has for for Jay and vice versa, you know. And, you know, I think um, both shouldn't want to be in a position that's uncomfortable for each, each other. I think for what Jay has done for the team, the organization has been greatly appreciated. When when I walk here, I mean, he, um, until today, I don't think the love among players, you know, this, you know, the fans of the city will go away. But it's just that, you know, I think from players' perspective, sometimes fans tend not to understand because, you know, he has his way of thinking. And I think me as a player, I've always respected another player's way of thinking. Might necessarily not be the way that everybody agree with. But that's what got everybody where they got there. You know, my way of thinking was different than a lot of people. But he got me where I am today because I believe in what I believe in. So, you know, me, I, won't, I will always support, you know, both parties and you know i respect both parties and i think they're doing it out of respect and uh and i'm hoping they can solve you know this soon because at the end of the day as a player you just want to get out there and play basketball because this is the game that you love and you know the, the I, from his perspective you know i have not spoke to him it's just that you know when you're away from the game it's it's so much going on. You turn on the TV, you watch so many games, and so on and on. Talk to teammates and stuff. Me, I did the opposite. When I was away from the game, from the game, I didn't want to watch no game. I didn't want to talk to anybody but my family. Yeah. Until I was ready to do so. So it's different circumstances for him. But at the same time, if if I know anything, it's, it's just that Jay wants to play basketball, and I'm hoping. And they can solve it uh, soon, and then you can get back on the floor and doing what they love. Bismack, we always appreciate the conversation. Thanks for coming on for a few. Best of luck against Minnesota, and we will talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Biz. That's Bismack Biombo joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line Suns Timberwolves tonight at 7 o'clock. That is off the court, our weekly feature with a Phoenix Suns player. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Kyler Murray and the regression. We can all see it. The thing he's regressed at the most used to be his biggest strength. We'll tell you what it is next here on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Evan O.J. Burns. We're hanging out live from the auction community studios on this Tuesday afternoon. Cardinals trade deadline came and went today in the NFL, and the Cardinals did not make a move. They did acquire a linebacker who was released by the Houston Texans, um, but in terms of trades, none were made. There were tons around the league that were made, but all the Cardinals did today was sign linebacker Camus Gruget-Hill, who got cut by the Houston Texans last week because he wanted, uh, he had requested his release and he was granted that. for you to say that name. I've practiced it. Uh. Linebacker Camus Gruget-Hill. Can I get a thumbs up? Can I get an amen from the congregation? Did I get that right? Chris Fuamatu Maafala. It's one of the few always names. your like, fallback, right? Yeah, I can always do that. Camus, I looked it up. Kamu Gruget Hill. Is that what you said? That's what I said. Hey, I got it right. Uh, yeah, they acquired him. Yeah, listen, I, I, this is kind of what I expected. They're, they're in a position where, you know, I, I think that they should have been sellers, not buyers. And I think you could have made an argument that, man, if you had given up, you know, draft capital for a guy that might only be here for, you know, for the rest of the year, that might not be worth it. Um, and then if you sell a guy like a J.J. Watt, you're basically throwing in the towel. They were in a tough spot. They were in a tough spot. Now, if you could have got a player that would have been here for a number of years, that would have made sense. I'll give up a draw. I'll give up draft compensation to get a guy. But they were never in on Bradley Chubb. They just were never in on Bradley Chubb. Look, I was in the same boat as you were. I was kind of hoping they would be sellers, but doing so requires them to declare that they're out of it. And, and I just think pride won't allow them to do it. And just looking around the standings, they're just not ready to do that until they embark on this three-game stretch in which we'll find out whether they're actually in this thing or not. So they do nothing. They stand pat. And that's fine. If anything's going to have to improve, it's going to have to improve from within. And I'm going to kickstart this conversation. Just about a half hour ago, we were talking about Seattle. And, you know, was it Pete or was it Russ Wilson? Well, it looks like it was Pete based off of the success they're having. And you were using the, was it Bill or was it Brady? You know, in the conversations that we had for 15 years about the New England Patriots. When it comes to what's wrong with the Cardinals, is it Cliff or is it Kyler? Because it feels like we just keep ping-ponging back and forth, whether it's oh yeah Cliff's fault with mm-hmm. what's wrong with the offense or is it Kyler's fault with what's wrong with the offense? Because a story today at ArizonaSports.com, and certainly they're both to blame, obviously. But the story today on ArizonaSports.com showed Kyler's passing rating when throwing beyond 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. It's hideous. It's awful. What the hell happened? It's non-existent. But he was, I mean, that was he, the thing he was known for, his know. accuracy, his accuracy on deep balls. We were, you know, Hollywood Brown's coming here. Oh, one of the benefits to Hollywood Brown is that Kyler's accurate on two out of every three deep balls, where Lamar Jackson's only accurate on one out of every three deep balls. What the hell happened? I don't know. I mean, I, Kyler Murray going into this season was one of the most accurate downfield passers. And now he's not? Now he's not. What happened? How did that happen? And if you're if you're looking at me for an answer to that question, I don't got one for you. Oh, nobody does. I, I just think the Cardinals have an answer. I don't have an answer to that question. No. I don't know. I just got numbers. All right. And what the numbers show is that on passes that travel twenty yards down the field or more, his passer rating is seventeen point two. The league average is seventy eight point four. Over the middle. It's 42.5, league average is 85. To the right, it's 42.9, the league average is 72. Man, not even close. Not even close to the league average. Give me them again. Give me the three averages again. Okay. This is after 20 yards. 20 yards or deeper. Okay. 
The league average passer rating to the left uh-huh. is seven is seventy eight point four. He's at seventeen point two. Okay, that is incredible because that's where he likes to throw the ball over the middle. 20 yards or more. League average is 85.6. He's at 42.5. Okay, I prefer throwing it to the right. Where is he on the right? To the right. 79.2 is the league average. He's at 42.9. Okay, he's better there. He's but but like compare, but, like that's he's not even close. Not even close to the league average. Not no. the best, but the league average. Yeah, that's the league so he's average. He's got to be one of the bottom five quarterbacks in throws of over twenty yards in the whole league. He has not completed a pass of forty or more yards up until this point in the season. No, forty-two quarterbacks in this league already have at least one completion. Of 40 yards nice. or more. And his longest one was the one to Rondell Moore this past week. Yep. That was the longest one. It was all Rondell Moore. It was all Rondell Moore that breaking was like tackles. An eight yard pass and right. he broke a bunch right. of tackles, right? It would have counted. It would have counted as a 40 yard pass for Kyla Murray. I don't know. I just, listen, I, I, I think. And again, I'm not saying Cliff isn't to blame here, okay? Because this be not being able to get play calls in and the undisciplined and everything. I mean, Cliff says a lot of blame to go for Cliff. No doubt. You you, you got to waste all these timeouts because of the delay a game. And I, I get that. I get that. So I, Cliff is to blame a lot. But, man, I do think it's a lot more on Kyler, man. He's not seeing the field. Guys are wide open. He's missing throws because of his mechanics. He's so up and down. I mean, I think that it's Kyler. I mean, if you said, where do I I lay the majority of the blame for the struggles on this football team, I put it on Kyler Murray. Now, I'm not saying Cliff's innocent here because Cliff's to blame, too. All right? I mean, you can't score a point in the, a touchdown in the first quarter. You can't get play calls in. Like, there's a lot to not like about what Cliff's doing. But, man, it's hard to watch film on Kyla Murray with guys wide open, and he doesn't see him. He yeah. just doesn't see, He just doesn't know that they're open. There's no doubt. Much like the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady conversation or the Russell Wilson-Pete Carroll conversation, of course, they're, they're both is the right answer. And, I, uh, you know, me, I'm a pie chart guy. I, I don't even know how to pie chart this one. I, I know they're both responsible. I know... Th- they both have a cause in this. What I don't understand, and what I, I mean, I, and I truly mean this, what I don't understand is that it's the same quarterback coach combo that was responsible for Kyler being great in the system. It was the same quarterback coach combo that a year ago was one of the top offenses in the National Football League. And now they can't get a play call in? He was an MVP candidate at this time last year. Yeah. A legitimate MVP A year ago today, Kyler Murray was an MVP candidate. And now we can't can't throw the ball down the field? He can't throw the ball down the field. We can't get plays in on time? I mean, it's like, you know, like like Mackie Sasser, Steve Sachs, is like the yips, like I can't throw the ball down the field? Ben Simmons not being able to take a shot? If you look at some of the numbers, man, the regression to his rookie year, it's staggering. QBR, it's the worst that he's had since his rookie year. Passer rating, it's uh, the worst since he's had since his rookie year. His on-target percentage is the worst of his four seasons. His completed air yards per passing attempt. So basically, how many how many yards yeah. do the, does the ball go from his hand to the receiver's hand? It's a full yard below his previous worst average from his rookie year. So everything screen you have to go back screen to screen setting. Yeah, everything you have to go back to his rookie. So the question is, why does does Cliff? No, Kyler's not going to hit those plays downfield, so he's calling the other ones. Does, does Cliff know? 
Kyler's not seeing the plays downfield, so he wants to play it safe. You got to have by that. calling a bunch a bunch of screens. You have to have that play available. You have to have that screen available. Again, the concepts are very similar to what a lot of other teams are running. I mean, they are the concepts that they run are very similar. It's just there's no creativity in the offense, and he doesn't go down the field at all. So, you know, that's part of the problem too. There's no creativity. But the concepts are very similar to what everybody else in the NFL runs. They'll run the same stuff. It's not like they don't. They're all running the same things. It's just, you know, it's they don't have anything that is dynamic in this offense. It's a very blah, vanilla, boring screen. And they, and they settle for the screens. There are passes that are open down the field. Cliff Kingsbury's not designing an offense in which everything has to be a screen pass. Trust me, he's designing plays in which there are receivers that are open down the field. Yeah. There are. Yeah. Tyler's not finding But Cliff is also responsible for plays not getting in on time for the general flow of the offense. And that, that that's inexcusable. I, I mean, that's just, this is your, this is, you're halfway through your fourth year with this quarterback coach combo. There should be absolutely no reason why plays don't get in on time. They should be on the same page with each other. In fact, it, and it seems like more often now than not, they're not even close to being on the same page. That to me is on Talk Cliff. to put the finger on what's so bad. You know, the offensive line, you know, struggles a lot, gives up a lot of quick penetration. Uh, it is hard to put, you know, this, this is nothing real good. It's a very boring offense, right? It's very boring. How, how is this offense with those two guys this boring? I don't know. It's a boring but, offense. But we saw it on that pass to D-Hop. The 32-yarder, 33-yarder, yeah, the one the down the field, down the sideline. Didn't that feel like a glass of water so on a far. hot summer day, that right? So like you and far. Like you're out in the middle of the Sahara and you just found water. You know, you're like, oh, that's that's what I've been looking for. Yeah, there it is. A play down the field, a receiver open down the field. Kyler seeing him down the field. The call down, all of it. it. It was like it was like a meal for a starving man. We just don't get enough of it. And doesn't seem like it's going to get fixed staggering. anytime soon. Oh, they're staggering. Those it's staggering how bad staggeringly they are. bad. Yeah. To his to like, his rookie year, yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, we're talking about. I, look, he's a mediocre quarterback at best right now. He's trending to be a Jay Cutler type quarterback, not a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen guy. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line it is open for you at six twenty six twenty. When we come back, the quarterback on the other side of the field coming up this week so far has proven to be no fluke, and certainly the Seahawks have been proven to know exactly what they were doing in let. Russell Wilson walk. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. The credit goes to Geno Smith. That's what I mean. Like the credit, oh. And I'd say, I'd say this. There is no quarterback that has more perfect throws in every game. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, oh, oh. Geno Smith. He threw one to DK Metcalf yesterday that he dropped that hit him on the fourth. Yep. I mean, yeah. Geno Smith threw over 215 yards today. He could, Yesterday, he could have had 400. I mean, these are perfect throws that are just drops by the unit. There's one quarterback in the NFL this season that less than 10% of his throws are off target. The only person is Geno Smith. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, why he's right in the MVP rate. He, he has more perfect throws than any guy in the league right now. MVP race. What what is going on here? Dan Orlovsky on ESPN. Uh, MVP race. Tom Brady sucks. Aaron Rodgers sucks. And Geno Smith is is a MVP candidate. What world did got turned upside down in the NFL? I, I, I tell you, all of, our, all of our worlds got turned upside down because everything about the Seattle Seahawks looked like a 
tank job at the beginning of this season during the offseason, and it was all centered around oh Geno goodness. Smith. Yeah. It was like, really? He's your quarterback? Yeah. Good luck trying to win football I got games. two Seattle fans who go to the gym I, I work out at, and I was telling them right from the get-go, because they were all worried like in the preseason, like, listen, you guys are going to suck. You're going to have a top-five pick. You're going to get your future quarterback to replace Russ there. Like, just the, you should want them to lose. I was like, you should want your team to lose. You don't want to win games. Like, this team can't win more than three or four games. Mm. Like, but who wasn't convinced of that? They traded Russell Wilson, and they were going with Geno Smith. Up until this year, Geno Smith had been a disaster of an NFL quarterback. He was on four different teams in four years. Yep. Jets, Giants, Chargers, Seattle. Like, he couldn't find a home. Nobody wanted him. And all of a sudden, now he's an MVP candidate? Like, did he make a deal with the devil? Like, what did he do? I don't know. He did something because he keeps doing it. Uh, Pete Carroll yesterday with our friends Brock and Salk up there in Seattle on how Geno Smith is in the locker room. He's one of the guys. You know, he's just, he's been here long enough. He's comfortable with everything. He stands for what we believe in. He talks it and, and, and will point out and make, you know, and support when, when it's appropriate at all times. Uh, he's easygoing. Um, he's got great confidence, self-confidence. Uh, he knows that he knows, and he's always had that awareness. Even two or three years ago, he never, like he said, he never really accepted the fact that he was a backup. He just knew that this is what you needed to do, and this is the job that I have. And but just look out when you give me a chance. So it was kind of how he's always been. Just hang around, hang around, hang around. But like, what team? Would have, unless you were tanking, what team would have just been satisfied with Geno Smith as their starter? Like, all these teams, like, let me go get Carson Wentz. Well, that doesn't work. Like, they did the right thing. I'm not saying they didn't do the right thing. They must have, like, Pete must have really believed in him to be, to resist any temptation to go find another quarterback and just stick with what he had. You know, it, it's, in a way, and I know this isn't a great comparison, okay, but in a way, it sort of reminds me a little bit of when Pete first drafted Russell Wilson all those years ago, right? Because yeah. they had they had spent the money on Matt Flynn, right? Wasn't he yes. the free agent they brought in yep, from Green Bay? And it was just presumed he was going to be the starter, and they gave him the money, and he was going to be the guy, but they kept it open, and they kept the competition open, and they didn't name a starter, and you started hearing these whispers coming out of Seattle, hey, Pete really likes Russell Wilson, Pete thinks, this, what, the third rounder, the guy out of Wisconsin? He's, he's short. He's not, He doesn't have a future in this league. Are you, they just paid all this money for Matt Flynn. And, and it, again, the circumstances are a little different, but it's like if Pete identifies, and I'm talking about Pete Carroll like I know him, I call him on a first name basis. Um, when Pete Carroll <laughs> identifies, guy. that's my guy, that's a quarterback I can work with. But then how was there even a competition with Drew Locke? Drew Locke sucks. And that was a competition. When he named, when he named Gino the starter, like, okay, just, here's Gino's numbers before, the, before this year. 45 NFL games, 34 starts, eight years. Eight years he had 45 games. Games. In eight years, he had 34 starts. 862. That's four starts a year. He had completed 58% of his passes for 6,917 mm. yards with 34 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. He wasn't any good. No. Like, he wasn't any good. Matter of fact, it was like a legitimate competition. Pete Carroll named Geno Smith the starting quarterback on August 27th. That was... Week and a half after the season G- started. After Drew Locke threw three interceptions at a preseason finale, lost and, to the Cowboys. And Drew Locke, the only reason he was playing in that finale was because, if I remember right, he had COVID and had to miss week two. 
of the preseason. So he wasn't even able to play the week you prior. Might be right. Yeah. And so it was like, well, we better give Drew Locke a look because he wasn't able to play in preseason game number two. With they the had COVID. to wait until after the final preseason game to name Geno Smith to start. Did they really? Did they know what they had in Geno Smith? I, you know what? I so don't possible. No, they didn't you know even what? Know? I don't think they did because remember. Okay, and we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll have Brock Heward or Mike Salk or maybe both this week on the show because we always have Brock on to preview the Seattle game, right? We just had. Remember what Brock told us a couple of weeks ago that even. Pete Carroll, when they designed this offense, they designed it with a conservative idea in mind, right? Like they, 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 they didn't think they had the kind of quarterback they could open it up with in Geno Smith, and they almost had to. It was like after two weeks, they're like, you know what? We actually have something here with Geno. Let's open up the offense a little bit. Let's give him more to do. Let, let's let's get a little more creative with what we're doing. They threw it ten more times against the Giants, and they ran it. Now I'm not saying that Pete's going to be that kind of coach. He's not. He's always going to be run first. But I think those first couple of weeks, even they were surprised by the level at which Geno Smith was able to go down the field and do it accurately. And they thought, okay, let's expand this a little bit. Let's give him more to do. And it's worked. It's worked in space. Some of those, Orlovsky is right. I've seen some of the cutups of Geno Smith. His throws are ridiculous how accurate they've been. That game they played against the Saints right, but a couple how? of weeks ago, I, he was putting it in the most tiniest of windows for his Seahawks receivers. He had two dropped touchdown passes against the Giants. One from the sure-handed Tyler Lockett. The ball hit him with a face mask, for goodness sakes. He he could have had a much bigger and better day. I don't know how. I, I have... What's going on in Seattle is one of the most baffling things I think I've ever seen in it's the, the National Football League. It's the biggest surprise story in the, in the NFL. Crazy. I mean, it has to be. It has to be. The Seahawks are in first place ahead of the 49ers, the Rams, the Cardinals. Like, this was supposed to be, we were supposed to enjoy the demise of the Seattle Seahawks. There was a comparison on a, on a story I sent you, and I just want to hit this because I thought it was pretty interesting. Where they actually took Russell Wilson's numbers last year. They said, okay, here's Russell Wilson last year for Seattle. And let's, let's just take Geno and let's put the, uh, put, put, Side-by-side side taste by test. Side, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's blind also, taste test. Yeah. Also project what he's going to do. And the numbers were staggering on like how you can make the argument that the numbers for Geno are actually better than the numbers for Russell Wilson, which I thought was really surprising. But let me give you the numbers. Okay, I, I got it here in front of me, okay. but go ahead. Russell Wilson, 3,113 yards. 7.8 yards per attempt, 64.8% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 103 rating. Geno Smith, projected and adjusted to 14 starts, 3,367 yards. That's more than Russell Wilson. By about 200. 72.7 completion percentage. Better than Russell Wilson. By about eight percentage points. Uh, same yards per attempt, 7.7. 23 touchdowns, five interceptions. Okay, so two fewer touchdowns, one fewer interception. And a rating of 106.5. Three points higher than it's Russell Wilson. It's the same guy. Basically the same guy. It's the same guy. If you just take the name, If you just take the name out, I mean, he is doing exactly what Russell Wilson did. Exactly. Yep. As a matter of fact, yeah, but just but with more accuracy. The one, the only difference that really stands out is the accuracy. His completion percentage is better by a lot than what Russell Wilson's was. Touchdowns, interceptions, yards per attempt, rating, all of that is all pretty similar. Take Russell Wilson out, you put Geno Smith in, you got the same guy. Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator of the Giants, was asked who Geno Smith reminds him of. Here's what he said. I'll give you the first name. 
Kurt Warner. You know, I mean, I don't know if they'll make a movie with Gino, but uh, as a football fan and in respect of the game, I, I, I really respect what he's done with his game. And it's, you know, besides playing against him, it's, it's fun to watch the success that he's had. Are you listening, Kurt? Wow. What do you think about that? What do you think about being having Geno Smith compared to you? High completion percentage, smart quarterbacks, makes the right decision. Like, listen, I, and I'll say this, I haven't watched football my whole life, and I, I'm watching all the bat. I don't know that anybody was better at reading a defense than Kurt Warner. No. I mean, I don't know that anybody was trying to read the best it. I ever saw. Who His, understood pre-snap exactly what was going to go down. Yeah. Kurt was the best at it. His ability to it. get to the line of scrimmage, know what he was saying, and then, but also then to process the information so quickly and go through progressions. Like, a lot of guys never get there. He was able to go through all the progressions and then make the right throw so uh, such, uh, such a high percentage of the time. He was the best that I've seen at it. The Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction are coming to the Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire Tour on November 18th. Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and for your chance to win tickets when we come back. Today in Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn is burning today when it comes to the Nets. In Is there a song about Brooklyn? Uh, there's lots. Uh, Jay-Z or somebody? Uh, the Beastie Boys. Was it? Okay. Yeah. No sleep okay. till Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, is a trade for Kevin Durant even coming now with everything that happened in Brooklyn? That's next here on Arizona Sports. No sleep till Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No sleep till Brooklyn. No sleep in Brooklyn. They're wide awake there after everything went down in the last 24 hours. The last, not, not one of my favorite musical artists. No? No, I hated oh, that music. Man, I really liked you liked them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, really liked these movies. Yeah, yeah. They were they were inventive to say the least. Who said in Brooklyn? No sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah, but I, I was playing. Oh, off of in the, Brooklyn. Yeah, okay, because they're not okay. sleeping in Brooklyn because right. they're right. no you know, sleep in Brooklyn. Two and gotcha, five, gotcha. and they fired the head coach. Uh, Kevin Durant and, might be sleeping okay now. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Look, through all. Well, we'll get to all the chaos. Through all the chaos, all the coaches in, all the coaches out. Kyrie Irving, that whole mess, everything. The question. Every Suns fan wants to know is, will the result of this be Kevin Durant still being available in a trade? I mean, that's ultimately, let's get right to this, all right? That's ultimately what everybody wants to know. Will they be so bad, and is it such a dumpster fire that they will end up shopping Kevin Durant when it's all said and done because that thing has gone to hell in a handbasket? Phillies fired... Uh, Joe Girardi, they're in the World Series. Sometimes you get, you know, you you get a coach. It's not working out. The players have tuned him out. They they just they, they had tuned Steve Nash out. They weren't they weren't playing for him. So sometimes a coaching change does work. You know, you've got talent there. You do have a lot of talent. Although you know Ben Simmons has not played well. He's not even playing well defensively, and that was his forte. Um, but there's talent there. You should win. You know, you, just with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant alone, you should win some games. The fact that they haven't now, you give Adoka an opportunity to come in and, and and see if he could do it. Now, if you get to January and it's and it's not working, you you know then you you reevaluate and you say okay. Do we try to trade Kevin Durant right now? 
Yeah, but I don't think you wait till the end of the year. I think you you give it two months to see if Adoka could come in and get this thing going in the right direction. And if they do, fine. If not, then you've got to make trades. I, I look, I, I, I we're not there in Brooklyn, so I don't know everything that's going on. I, I think too, the, the team there was more going on than the team just tuning out Steve Nash. I, I think there, there was it was the, the Kyrie situation was a mess. The Kevin Durant situation was a mess. I mean, had a lot of yeah. It, it was. I mean, Steve Nash. I would imagine Steve. Nash right now to be one relieved dude. Now, maybe that's just how I would... If I were Steve Nash, I'd be like, oh, thank God I don't have to deal with that anymore. Thank God I don't have to sit behind a podium and talk about Kyrie Irving anymore. Thank goodness I don't have to defend him or this organization or explain him in this organization. That's not my problem anymore. I don't have to deal with that. I'm an NBA Hall of Famer. Right? I'm one of the all-time greats. I I don't want to be in that spot anymore. If I were Steve Nash, I'd be relieved I don't have to deal with that. Whether they were tuning me out or not, the thing I think you're right on is that by hiring Udoka, as controversial as it might be given his departure from the Boston Celtics, sure. suspended right now. He's a former Nets assistant coach. He seemed to connect with the guys in the locker room. He certainly has a connection with Sean Marks, the general manager there. I would imagine he comes heavily endorsed by Kevin Durant. I would imagine there's some happy guys in that locker room right now that Udoka is coming back to Brooklyn and be their head coach. I'm a little worried how that's going to spark them. Because Yudoka, say what you want about how he's handling his personal life and his personal business and why he got suspended. That's all legit and that's all a great conversation. The dude can coach. All right, he led the boss. The Boston Celtics team was middling around the middle of January. He took him to two wins from winning the NBA championship. The guy can coach. And if that locker room has a level of trust and belief in him because he used to be there before, to me, that's almost the worst thing that could happen if you're a Suns fan and you want Kevin Durant. Because I think Udoka is just the kind of guy who could go in there and get the best out of Kevin Durant, get the best out of Kyrie Irving, because he's done it before. I- I'm I'm really worried about it from that standpoint. They t- to get James Harden, they shipped out Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, first round picks in 22, 24, 26, and first round pick swaps in four other years. I mean, it just backfired. The Durant, Harden, Irving thing. I don't know that I blame Steve Nash for that. No. <laughs> that that didn't work. I mean, the Nets had a ton of injuries. The Joe Harris injury was a big one. So, you know, I don't know if that, I don't know if, if you really blame this on Nash. Um, but Durant did want him fired. And, and I think maybe, you know, he was just trying to blow everything up so he could get traded. But I think Adoka comes in. You see him, you give it a run over 30 or 40 games. And if you can get it fixed, great. And if you can't get it fixed, then you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, we got to trade these guys. Yep. Adrian Wojnarowski today said that it felt inevitable Nash was going to get fired. This has been a discussion within the Nets with Steve Nash and management ownership here in the last few days as this season really just started to unravel. The four straight losses, the Kyrie Irving situation, uh, and even with a win last night against Indiana where you know, they blew a 24-point lead, had a hold on at the end, I think the fact that this team had struggled so much defensively, a 29th in the league uh, going into last night, uh, that this was becoming an inevitability. Yeah, an inevitability that Nash was going to get let go. And, and, and you're right, whether they tuned him out or not. This is, look, this is a Kyrie Irving deal. Okay, and and that's again, Udoka and all the baggage he brings to the equation, and it's a lot of baggage with everything that went on in Boston. Okay, 
if he can find a way to get Kyrie Irving to be just a basketball player and not all the other stuff that Kyrie Oof. Irving is doing. Good and luck I, with that. That's a big ask. I get that. That's a No one's really been able to do that with Kyrie, ever. I mean, this was a guy who was poised to win championship after championship with LeBron, and he wanted out. He's never found a home, and right now, honestly, if the Nets were to let him go, I don't know if there's a team in this league that would want him. Well, I mean, he, he's uber talented and he's an uber pain in the ass. I don't know if there's yeah. a team in this yeah. league that if they had a chance to get Kyrie Irving right now would say, you know what? Sign me up. I want that guy. He's a handful. He's 30 years old. He's still a really good player. Very talented. Very talented. talented. Won a championship with Cleveland. He was actually, he helped LeBron get that title in Cleveland. He was so good that year. Didn't really work out in Boston. He's with the Nets now. And, um, okay. He brings, he brings a lot of controversy. Very controversial figure. The Lakers might want him. They're just desperate enough to regain. Their former glory. Let's talk about the maybe Lakers. Maybe they want to bring him back in. Let's talk about the Lakers trying to revisit that trade for Turner and Healed in Indiana. Oh, Miles Turner like was Miles asked to point blank. Yeah, by Adrian Wojnarowski. What do you think about the the trade to Los Angeles? He's like campaigning for it. You know, like he's trying to get there. I mean, the Lakers are they're in trouble, man. They're doing whatever they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing whatever those, they can. Apparently, they're on one of those. Let's give it a thirty game look, and then we'll reevaluate there. And now they're going to put Russ on the bench, and let's see what happens. Let's give it not, let's not just judge it after six games. Let's see if we can get this thing figured out after 30. Then they got to decide what they'll yeah, do. Yeah, look, there, there's there's a chance that Yudoka comes in and because he's got the respect of the room, everything has a Band-Aid slapped on it and the Brooklyn Nets are going to be okay. I think there's just as good a chance that that team, under the weight of its own self and under the weight of Kyrie Irving, implodes. And when it does... What a conversation to revisit with them in a couple of months when it comes to Kevin Durant. And and, and then has anything changed now? Would you still give up everything everything to get him? The, all the draft picks and if you had to give up, I'm going to right. If you had to give up Cam or McHale and all of those draft picks, would you do it? Phoenix Suns are off to a great start, know, man. They beat the Clippers, the Warriors, the Pelicans. Durant's old. Okay. I know it's it's I, okay. It's, since since I don't want to I don't want to waffle on this one. All right. Yeah. Reserving the right to change my mind a couple of months from now because we we might have a couple of months to see. You know, we're we're going to have a couple of months to know. Right now, today, I would still make the deal. Okay. He's, right now, today, I would still make uh, the for deal. Thirty-four year old Kevin Durant. Yep. But you'd give up but, all your draft picks going forward. Yep. Which takes what so now when Durant and Paul are gone, you don't have any inventory to help Devin Booker. Like you've given up all your draft picks. Like you've given up four first round draft picks. And pick swaps, whatever it is, and, and, I, and a young player. And, and I don't know and one of your young players. Yeah. And I don't know what player would be involved. I wouldn't do it. I would still do it, but because we still have two months to decide, because yeah. Brooklyn's not going to rush into a deal like that, right? We still have two months to figure out just how good this version of the Phoenix Suns can Fair, be. Fair, but I was just asking you today, would you do the deal today? today? Would, and that's why I wanted to give you an answer. Rather than cop Ka- out and Ka- say, I'm going to wait two Ka- months. Kawhi doesn't look right, does he? I want to give you an answer. No, he doesn't, yeah, look, he doesn't look right. He doesn't look right. Golden State, right? Aren't some people doubting Golden State right now? Their defense is deplorable so not, far this year. Hey, and the Suns have looked great. Go get Suns have looked great. Why? Why, why, why do that? 
Why not just use the J. Crowder trade to add? Why not use your taxpayer exception to add? Maybe a trade at the deadline. Try to win it. But keep all the assets so that you, you have the ability to do something else. Because he's still one of the 10 best players Paul's in the NBA. Because when Paul's gone. he's still one of the 10 best players in the NBA. He's 34 years old. And he gives you a chance to win a championship right now, which you've never done in 50 years. I would do it. I would not do it. But we don't have to make that decision today. I know. I was just asking you for the fun. Yeah, no, and I know, and I, I answered it. Mm -hmm. I would do it. I would do it, and I bet if we did a poll question on this one, I bet most of the fans would still do it. He's such a great player. What's the Nets record? They just fired their coach. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not trading for Kyrie Irving. No. It's not all Kevin. Are you blaming it all on Kevin Durant? No, but are you blaming their twenty-five record on Kevin Durant? Thirty-four years old. He's thirty-four. Okay. All right. Duly noted. You would not do it. You no, would not I do, it. do it. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, a lot going on today. A lot going on today. We caught up on everything going on in sports. We are at the turn. It's the four o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo show.